Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Now let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled The Strength and Beauty of a Snowflake, The Hypocrisy in Disparaging Creation. So today's podcast is about finding strength in the toxic words that are hurled at us. And that's not easy, is it? And this, this really came to, to me this week when I was actually creating content for a uh, video. And I realized that I ha- was using uh, the phrase and they call us and they call us the snowflakes. And I thought, well, wait a minute, I'm using an insult that is often hurled at people who are bleeding heart liberals, as we're called, because we care about the welfare of others. And we're often on the side of social justice that is seen as offering welfare to able-bodied people or that we're trying to turn America into a socialist state. That's not true. What we're doing is um, trying to right the wrongs that have happened in our society, especially things that have happened to historically marginalized groups. So we're using our privilege to make sure that the playing field is equal and there's equity for all. But I found myself saying this and I had to take a pause. I'm like, well, you know, I I always thought it was a silly thing that people would say when they call you a snowflake, but it got me to thinking how often creation is used as an insult or as, as an intended insult towards others. And those who are disparaging creation to try to insult someone else are Christians. So how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile that you who honor the divine and are called to honor the entirety of creation, compare me to something in creation and that somehow that makes me the weaker of the two of us. So all of this came flooding in, which is usually what happens with me, just a one little phrase or an image or something. And then boom, I know that I'm, I'm being invited into a, into a teaching moment. And then right after that, as I was thinking about the content for this, the blog and the podcast for this week, a memory came flooding back and don't ask me why, because you can see in the videos that my hair is mostly gray now. And I stopped coloring it by choice a couple oh several years ago. Not that, you know, women are free to do whatever they want with their hair. People are free to do whatever they want with their hair. But for me, it felt like the right thing to do. My mother has beautiful uh, salt and pepper hair, and I could see that that's the way mine was turning. So I decided to, to let it go gray. But when I was younger, my hair was a lot darker, uh, just black, black eyebrows, black hair. And as my body started to change, I went through a time where I had quite a bit of facial hair. It was showing up on my, on my, as on my mustache and a little bit on my chin. And it was really awkward. Like I just a boast, a boost of hormonal energy that was kind of out of whack. And I know this happens to some people, but it doesn't, you're not, you don't see it as much if your hair is, is lighter, but mine was just coal black. And so it was really sticking out. And I had a lot of classmates who would tease me about my, the hair on my upper lip. And they would call me things like Carla, the 
Frenchmen and things like that. But thank God for my aunt, because I was ready to shave it. I was so horrified. And she was like, honey, just don't, don't let those people get to you. Just be patient. It will work itself out. And as you grow, there will be things that you can do, but right now that this isn't the time. And I really, I really believed her because, and then what happened when I, when I didn't respond to that, those bullies needed to get a rise out of somebody. The part of part of what, what a bully's intentions are is to feed off the energy that they get from you. So the fact that I wasn't giving them the energy, they just moved on to somebody else. And that's exactly what happened. And I realized that, that a bully is just merely deflecting because they too were my age and they were growing awkwardly into a body that was changing and maturing just like mine was. And it did feel weird. And oftentimes you looked out of sync as your arms grew too long or for a body that hadn't caught up or your legs were real lanky. And oh my goodness. And I grew so quickly. I was so taller sometimes in between sixth and 10th grade, I was a head taller than a lot of the, a lot of the girls in my, in my school. And I look back now and I would, I would hunker down. I'd say, well, I, I, I have horrible posture that I'm constantly working on. And I, and a lot of that was because I just always tried to make myself smaller and curl into this body instead of being really proud of it, because I always felt so self-conscious about how I was changing and everybody was noticing that about themselves. And the ones who were doing the bullying a lot of times had the most issues with how their body was changing. And that bullying, as we know, can scar a person for life. So those who bully, like it's their reason for going to school and you know who they are. I know we all have memories of those people in our lifetime. They are the ones who are having the most uh, problems accepting them, or they are suffering their own abuse or bullying somewhere in their lives. And they in turn are using bullying as an outlet for the frustrations that they're feeling in their own lives. So a lot of times bullies, people who have been bullied become bullies. So like I said, the inspiration for this podcast was the video script that I was writing where I wrote and they call us snowflakes and it gave me pause because it did feel awkward that, like I said, I'm using this insult that, that is often used and it doesn't, it just doesn't ring true. So I want to under, I want to understand, I want you to understand why that was important to me to pause and then come here to this podcast to talk about it. Because like I said, the per, the person who is disparaging creation and it, throwing these insults at, at other people are often Christians. They're often churched Christians who are saying this. So not only are they, you're hearing this a lot, but especially as tensions rise, as we move closer to the midterm elections, we're looking at Christians who are entrenched in extremism. Now, why, why do I say that Christians are extreme are extremists? I get this question a lot. Like, why are you using that term? And I notice that a lot of people are picking up on it uh, because it's, it is, the, it is the truth. So extremism is, can be defined in many different ways. And the way that most of us have come to understand an extremist religious thought was what we saw after 9-11. And we saw Islamist extremists that were using weapons to force their religious beliefs on others. We saw what happened on 9-11, and then we saw the subsequent violence and war 
that happened after that. And so extremist religious people became part of our vocabulary to, uh, to explain that. So that's an extreme, that's, that's on one side of the, of the spectrum of, of extremist religious person. But on this side, we're here in America, what's happening right now is the weaponization of laws across states that are using their biblical beliefs to marginalize and oppress people based on their religious beliefs. So on one side of the side of the spectrum, you have people using weapons to create a situation that enforces those beliefs. And on here, we have people weaponizing laws. It's, it's the same. The, the result is the same. It's extremism. Anytime that you are forcing your beliefs on another person so that they cannot live freely, it is extremism. So that is what we are seeing happening right now. But it is not, people will say that that's insulting and it isn't. It's just explaining what that, what you're, when you say an extremist Christian, that's what that is. That's an adjective explaining how people are weaponizing their religious beliefs. I don't use derogatory terms towards humans. I don't attack a person's physical appearance. I don't attack their age. I don't attack their gender. I don't attack their sexual authenticity. I would never do that. Uh, because of the ex experience of bullying that I went through, but also what I witnessed. Because I know that what I experienced was just a tip of the iceberg, far, far uh, milder than what historically marginalized people experience all the time on a daily basis, on a regular basis. Racism and biases and prejudice are alive and well right now with your neighbor across the street, or maybe even sitting in your in your living room right now. So I'm not trying to center my, my pain, but I know based on that, that this is something that happens all the time. People who are even allies will go to insults on physical appearance, age, gender, sexual gender authenticity, and they have to be called out to say, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. We don't have to go there. We have enough facts here. Let's stay focused on the facts. We're not, we're not gonna become them. So when, when I think of that, I think of Michelle Obama, when they, when they go low, we go high. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a barrier on how we respond to people because they are people. It doesn't mean we don't push back and it doesn't mean we don't call out extremism. It doesn't mean that we try to uh, work together for the good of the whole so that extremist Christians do not become empowered so that they can continue to oppress us, but we don't do it. In, a, in ways that are counter to our own moral compass. We must stay above that so we go, that we go high. So I think about also how a lot of times we're indoctrinated into apathy, complacency, uh, about watching other or witnessing the bullying of others. And I know for me, that was true. I, I think that I think about how dangerous that is that the energy that it surrounds the act of bullying, because that is it can it can escalate very quickly. But also what's dangerous are the people who stand around and witness it and do nothing. And again, this all comes from the same kind of upbringing or indoctrinations, whether it's familial, societal, educational, uh, or religious that says 
the person with the most power has the right to inflict that power on someone, however they want. And when you're trained in that and you've got this bully acting a certain way, are you going to be silent or will you speak up? So sadly, especially in our, you know, I'm thinking about in grade school and high school, I didn't say enough. I did not do enough and I regret it. I can't believe that that is the same person that's sitting in front of you now, but then you can look back and say, okay, I was indoctrinated to be silent. Here was a kid that was bigger than me, who was not afraid to use physical force to bully others. And I stayed silent. I can think of one time when I didn't, when someone bullied my brother, but I'm not going to tell that story today. I'll, I will share it sometime. Somebody remind me and I'll tell it sometime, but it is the same energy when we're, when we're growing up, our upbringing conditions us to remain silent when people cross lines, when they, when they bully, when they disparage another and social media has made disparaging even more prevalent. I mean, you just see it all the time. Read the comments. They're, they're just toxic. And then you go look at their profile. Jesus is my Lord and savior and God is King. And they got crosses all over the place and Bible verses. And it's like, how do you reconcile that you are the same person sitting in the pews on Sunday morning? out here spewing this hate and insulting people the way they look. I had someone insult my hairline. Yeah. I've always had, I have a huge forehead. I mean, it's always, it's, I think a lot of what you see in my pictures, I wear bangs because of that. And I guess my hair was uh, parted in a certain way. And they said, yeah, I would be as angry as you if I had that hairline. Can you believe that? And I go look at their, and this was somebody who was, they, you know, they were doing, they were, they weren't hiding behind a, uh, a troll account. They had, they had followers, they had videos, they had content and right there, John three sixteen, And it was okay to disparage me because of my hairline. How do you reconcile? And the fact that that is the way you choose to respond to the content that I had created, which ironically was about hate filled Christians. So interesting. Like, I just want to go, do you see what you just did for me here? Do you see what this is? And you're going to go back on Sunday and get refueled with the same affirmations that, that, that convince you that what you said and how you're showing up in the world is Jesus manifest in 2022 as you. It's fascinating. But I hadn't thought about how patriarchy had helped with some of that indoctrination, but it absolutely does. That's why I encourage people who are deconstructing and decolonizing from uh, their religious heritage that to do it actively, not just leave church and say, okay, that's enough. No, no, no. We need to work on actively deconstructing, actively decolonizing, and then we start to become an active ally because we can, we can look back and see it, our, indoct our indoctrinated biases and prejudices and how that has limited how we show up in the world, but also how we heal. So that is very, very important. Now in the blog this week, I'm just going to touch on this really quickly. I, I talk about, I grew up in the sixties and it's a very different time. And sometimes people will say, oh, Carla, that was a different time, but it sets the stage for how we are in the world now. And just a little bit here about climate change, because we're sitting here in tomorrow is May 1st when I'm recording this podcast. And this has been once again, one of the coldest springs of my memory. 
here in Indiana, when I was a, a child, um, we, in the, my birthdays in the fall, we always had snow on the ground and we had these massive one foot, two foot snowfalls. I remember looking out the windows and snow would be at the edge of the window in our ranch home or cover the screen door, glass screen door where you couldn't get out. We don't have those anymore. We're lucky if we have one or two snowfalls that hit six inches. So things, things have changed, but I used to anxiously wait and look at the, my, my, it seems like like I, I would look for snow, like it was my job. But meanwhile, the sixties also held all the tension as people risked their lives to free themselves from the oppression their ancestors had endured. But that I was far removed from that pain and suffering. The only thing I needed to worry about was when the next snowfall was coming so that I could go out and play with, with it. That's what I wanted to do because I was captivated by the beauty and the wonder of the freshly fallen snow. So things are changing and we know that, but also in the sixties. So here I am worried about when the next snowfall is coming. We have Selma that happened, Selma, Alabama. If you don't know what any of these are, you need to look them up. Happened in 1965. I was four years old. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 1968. I was seven. Kennedy died and was assassinated in 1963. I was two. So it's not anxious, ancient history here, folks. But I also know that in my world that was far removed from that, that didn't interrupt us to the point where life didn't go on. I very much was, I was in a, in a small town, white, small town where white was right. And if you don't know what that uh, theology is, or that belief, you need to go look at it up and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can read about it. But it very much is this notion that what, however, white people view the world and how they want to dominate it is the right way to do it. But as I grew and I started to transition away from small town USA, I started to become aware of how drastically different life was for other people. That the people where I had heard jokes told around me disparaging jokes about black indigenous and other people of color about the LGBTQIA plus community, all of a sudden they became human. And that's then all of a sudden I could not reconcile. Once again, like I said, reconcile someone insulting my hairline and then standing and then having John 316 in your profile. I couldn't reconcile how I could be a part of a community being silent with those jokes, those disparaging jokes, and yet being in company with these wonderful humans and not, I could not reconcile that this was ever going to be right. So that really is when that intersection of human suffering and my reality started to collide, or I began to see it in a different way. But also, like I said, just like with bullying, part of my indoctrination was, was to say, turn away from it, not to see it. And I can't, I can't go back in my childhood or my teen years and point to times where I willingly turned away, but it just never felt like it was enough that somebody sat down with us and had these amazing uh, conversations to tell us what's happening in other parts of our world. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen in high school. It didn't happen in college. It just, it, it didn't happen. And it wasn't until years later when I fully deconstructed and decolonized from my, my educational, my familial, my religious indoctrination that I, that I know that I, it was time for me to untangle from these uh, bigoted ideologies that I realized that all of this, even the, 
even the pace in which I was deconstructing and decolonizing, it was all dripping with white privilege. I had the luxury of taking my time because if I got distracted by something in my life in a life crisis, well, I had to put all that on, on the shelf so I could go tend to my life. So how I got from there to here is that really when I finally decided to leave church, I knew that those intersections could not be denied anymore, that it was time for me to look at all of it because things needed to fall away while new things arrive. And somewhere along the way, I found my voice so I could become an active ally and work for social justice and equity. So as time went on, and I began to find my voice, but I also started to teach online. And my first go at it, I, I was mostly doing that on Facebook. I would write, and oh my goodness, the white male Christian, who oh, were they offended? And they would attack me. They would send me personal messages. They were constantly calling me every name and demanding me to cite my sources. And you, what's what's really I look back now, what really embarrasses me about that time is how much I acquiesced to their demands. I exhausted myself. I only talked to them so that the people who, who my message was resonating with about toxic patriarchy, about healing from religious trauma, they started to fall away because all I was doing was engaging with them. I felt obligated. Now, why is that? Why would I do that? It's because I still had elements of indoctrinated toxic patriarchy inside me. I had internalized that misogyny where I felt that I had some responsibility to acquiesce to them. So it took another round of deconstructing and healing from that trauma before I was able to go like, you know what, I'm not talking to them. Now, when I respond to them, I do it in a teaching way. So that those of you who are looking for ways to respond to people, to help find your voice, to understand that they're wrong, that they're dripping with white patriarchy, that they're internalizing misogyny. If, it, if it's a person, but especially if it's a woman who says you shouldn't be teaching uh, outside the authority of a man and things like that, we are... It's, it's very important that you see how that has shifted. I'm not talking to change anybody's mind. I'm not going to change a white male Christian's mind about who I am. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't change. I've seen it happen. But my responsibility is not to try to get them to change. That's going to be some kind of life change where something happens in their life that's so powerful and profound that they look at themselves differently and then they have a huge paradigm shift that invites them to see a different way of viewing world, the world and also that could impact the way they show up in their spirituality and everything else, but that's not my responsibility. So going back to this whole snowflake thing, it got, like I said, uh, you know, I, I could go off on this on a tangent I already have, but I want to, I want to make sure I, I bring this home and I've already been going for about 30 minutes here. When I started thinking about the insults that about disparaging creation. I'm not going to say them, some of them, because I do put them in the blog, but um, stupid old woman has been said to me, you know, you fight and over the years, you fight like a girl. You're as fragile as a snowflake. You're as weak as a kitten. Don't be a crybaby. Don't be a word that begins with a P if it's, it, you know, don't, those are the, so it's very clear that if you want to be seen as strong, they want you to grow a pair because a male power, male authority is more powerful than a woman's anatomy, who all of a sudden now we're insulting the, the female's anatomy, the ability to create life inside our bodies is somehow 
uh, a target for insults and weakness and, and signs of weakness. The, the mockery of creation is astounding that this is originating inside people who call themselves Christians. And I, it is up to us to start to call this kind of toxic commenting and bullying out. Our children need to see us standing up for that. So it's another layer of accountability where we say, especially for those who are allies, don't stoop to their level and call out somebody's sexual gender uh, authenticity, their age, even their body uh, composition, anything like that. We don't do that, but we also don't disparage creation. We don't do that. And I think we need to start finding our words because the phrases, and I only put a few in the blog, add your own. What do you find so insulting that you will call that person out? They might not like it, but if we may, if we turn it back to spirituality, which I think is what we should do, using creation to disparage another human is so undignified and unholy. Using creation to disparage another human is undignified and holy, but yet it happens all the time. And I think that we need to be careful about those of us who are allies are learning to be active allies and learning to deconstruct and decolonize. That is something that we need to remove from our vocabulary, because if we are, if we are lowering ourselves to that, then we have lost the ability to hold on to our place and the point we're making that we are resorting to something that takes us back into a childlike behavior and absolutely no good will come from that conversation. Absolutely no good will come from it. So we need to do, I, I don't know why I cringe, but I got ready to say it as well. We need to do better. I think it's because it's an oversimplification and both sides are saying it. Uh, it makes, it doesn't have a lot of foundation, but in this, I'm asking you to consider how you use your words. So often every I bet you 10 times, maybe more a week, someone says, I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to say this. And I'm going to tell you, I did not know how to say it. I didn't either, but I practice. And the first time I put, I, I said the words, I, it's almost like I had this out of body experience. Like, is this me? I'm looking down at me saying the words now, now they flood open. I can't imagine not that it hurts my heart and soul. If I'm not using them to stand up and be an ally, but I cannot resort to abusive rhetoric. I cannot resort to abusive rhetoric. I am going to go back and look at the words of, of Jesus, or at least what's attributed in the Bible, because I know there's been a couple of things that, 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 you know, the brood of vipers and things like that. But we also, I think that's a really good point. It's just coming to me. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to wing this for a minute. How important I was just thinking about this today, about another video that I want to do and how important it is that we release the Bible to its place in history. Now that doesn't mean that the words can't be alive and inspiring and that we cannot have that connection to Jesus in your, in your sacred way, whether you're a Christian or not, you can still have that connection to, um, that message, but the way people are holding on us with a stranglehold as if we have to apply every word and that we have to abide by it is absolutely ridiculous. And no one is doing it. Everyone is cherry picking everyone. That's why it's time to admit that and release it.
holding people accountable who do that as well. I did not plan to say any of that during this podcast, but it sounds like that's a good place to end this and just say that going, if they go low, we go high. It means we're not resorting to abusive rhetoric and that we never want to use the same kind of language that a judgmental, hate-filled, toxic Christian extremists use. We are better than that. Blessed be. Okay, beloveds, I am honored to be in this space with you, and I pray you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear, and I obviously heard something today that resonated deeply with me. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at RevCarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!